World, episode 13 of Jake's World, coming at you a day late and probably a dollar short, but we'll see how it goes. I'm your host, Jake Swinski. Today's Tuesday, May 26th, day after Memorial Day, and like I said, I am coming at you a little bit later than due, and I apologize for that, but I did a little Jimbo, right? So, I'll explain that real quick. As you are all aware, I have a new job. I'm living at home, my hometown, during the work week. So, weekends are in Madison, I commute up. And I got a work computer at work, right? I mean, it's not an issue. Got a work bag and, you know, a portable charger and a case for it and everything. It's not a problem. It's not like I got to waddle it out in my arm or use my own backpack. I don't have to bring my other computer as well. It's not a problem. And I wasn't taking it home during most of the week because, like, I just started. There's really not anything I'm going to be able to do with it. Especially, you know, work at home. Yeah, right. Um, but Friday, I'm like, I probably shouldn't leave it all here for the weekend. That wouldn't leave a great impression. Plus Memorial Day, an extra day. I mean, it's not like anyone would expect me to take it with me or shame me if I didn't. But it's like, yeah, maybe I should just take it. My boss did mention, yeah, you should take it home and get it set up at home for the weekend. Well... That didn't quite work out, but what he doesn't know won't kill him yet. So, thing is, I took it with me, I bagged it up, and I left right from work. I didn't come home and just drop it off here. Wouldn't have been a problem. And I get three hours down to Madison, have a good weekend. A couple buddies came up, came over, played a lot of golf, had some fun, got a little zapped. Monday, it's time to come home. I'm not feeling great. I'm a little hungover from the weekend, right? Other stuff on my mind. The Monday scaries, a rare Monday scaries case. And I cleaned up the place and get ready to leave. Pack up the car and come home. I drive all the way home to find out that I forgot that damn computer. Left it at the apartment and guess who had to go back and get it? me so that podcast was not possible last night and I was not about to stay up until you know three in the morning to wake up at six in the morning to go to work so you're getting it Tuesday like you're supposed to even though technically you get it like Monday at 10 o'clock at night so a few hours won't kill you so Going back to last show, I said that we I would talk about the Michael Jordan Game 6 game. I did not have a chance to do that yet, and I'm not sure if I will. I might get to it later this week, early next week. I'm not entirely sure. I'll think about it a little bit more, so I'm going to sideline that thought for now. But, um, I mean, honestly, if it's just me inferring about it, it's probably just going to be, you know... Uh, much better produced, re- like not remastered, but kind of remastered. Like the film's re- you know, redone and looks more realistic and up to today's standard. And it's going to be similar commentary, and then they're going to have alternate commentary too. I haven't watched it yet. That's just me guessing. So I'll 
watch a few minutes of it at the very least to see if it's worth talking about. If I feel like it is, I could do a little bit more of that too. Now, I also want to watch the Lance Armstrong documentary. They're doing a 30 for 30 miniseries, I guess you could call it, on Lance Armstrong and his Tour de France thing. I'm going to do that next week all at once. Just do the two parts, talk about it at one show. And then that's just a little housekeeping, I guess, for now. And then let's get into today's show. It's going to be a little bit sports heavy in the beginning, and then we'll have something at the end. The match. Traditional tour play where, you know, scores kept every hole, each person for himself, and winners decided. It's not, it wasn't like that. They played like a mix of match play and best ball. And obviously, Tiger and Peyton won. I mean, Tiger's best golfer there. I mean, Phil's pretty close to him, but Peyton Manning was respectable, and Tom Brady was abysmal most of the time, except for that birdie shot he hit in the seventh hole. He holed out with a like hundred yards out, something like that. It was a good shot, but you didn't expect that product to be very good. You know, like the golf part of it. I mean, the presentation of it was, you knew that was going to be cool because we knew going in that they'd be mic'd up and they'd kind of be chirping each other a little bit, trash talking a little bit. Not unfiltered like we would have liked to hear because some of that you could tell they were bleeped out when, excuse me, you know, a mic would be muted for a few seconds they could be talking and it just, just cuts out. Two, three, four, five, six seconds. Doesn't matter. You can tell they were chopping it up a little bit. They didn't want it to get too too rated R, I guess. But I don't know. I wasn't sure what to expect going in. Like I said, I knew the competition wouldn't be as good. And it would be some fun banter. But I was really, really thrilled with how it worked. I just came off the worst golf round of my life, probably, you know, an hour before with a couple of buddies. Shot horrible, 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 horrible. Nothing worked. And that's all I'm going to say about it because it's just like golf. You flush it, you forget about it, and you come back the next day. And you always hit one shot that keeps you coming back. It always seems to be on the last hole. That's just how it works. Anyways. Um... Tiger Woods was electric. Electric. Tiger's a guy who likes to miss fairways often. He hits the ball really hard. and It's not even that he sprays it. Sometimes he just misses fairways, and it's okay because he, I mean, he's a great iron hitter as well. So, I mean, hitting out of the rough isn't a problem for him most of the time. But he didn't miss a fairway. Phil looked pretty damn good too. Gigantic calves. The formula he said before was ridiculous about C squared equaling IV. I don't even remember what it was and I'm not even going to take the time to look it up. It was a little ridiculous. It was a bit. He was going to die by that bit. It was funny. Phil was funny. Peyton was pretty funny too. And Tom Brady was 
a little rattled the whole time, really. I mean, he looked good. I mean, that's who we're probably going to talk about the most here is Tom Brady because it's a really good opportunity to, you know, torch him for something, make fun of him for something, and not have him still win at it. Like, he looked bad. He doesn't have a driver, and it's probably a good thing he didn't because he wouldn't be able to hit with it anyways. Right? Played irons. Hit a three wood that he hit pretty well most of the time. But, yeah, he just, I don't know. Maybe he's not a golf guy. A lot of those guys are. Like, professional hockey players are really good golf players because they've got similar type swings. Um, like some basketball players are really good at golf. Baseball guys typically aren't because, I mean, the hitters anyways, their swings are very different. Like Steph Curry's a damn good golf player. Ray Allen's a real good golfer, even being so tall. Michael Jordan, I don't know how good Michael Jordan is, but everyone would love to hear and see Michael Jordan play, you know, like a similar, similar game like this, but. Who knows? I don't think he would be willing to do that. But anyways, back to the guys that played. It was cool to see all the fundraising effort they did too. I mean, I think the final tally through the 18 holes was like 18 or no, excuse me, 20 million dollars. 20 million dollars raised and it was really cool and they had other, you know, former and current players, celebrities come on and talk about you know, kind of their little situation, how special this whole event was, and how they'd like match donations too. And then, I mean, A Rod was on there, JJ Watt popped on, Russell Wilson, a couple others. It's really cool. It was really cool to see and get some money raised and donations and just going to a good cause. That was really cool. And I liked the competitions they did too. Like, they'd have a designated hole, like for a long drive, they had a one hole closest to the pin. I think they did that one twice. Maybe they did long tour, long drive twice too. I don't remember. I think it was just the one time though. And then um, they did. Oh, the one hole they did one club the whole time. They had to put that club too. It was funny. Like, I mean, it wouldn't have been as entertaining if they played it like a regular tour tournament because Peyton and Tom wouldn't have been able to keep up. Tom looked a little better in the back nine. Peyton looked all right most of the time too, but I don't know. But another thing that really stood out to me was Phil's detail into coaching Tom, right? The putt language and how much detail actually goes into reading a putt, like the discoloration of the green, the darker spots, the lighter spots, you know, left to right read, where it starts to break, how fast you got to hit it, you're going up, you're going down, things like that. I didn't realize how much detail there actually was into reading that. I feel like a lot of times they, you know, they take their time, they look and everything, and they just see, like, they kind of take an educated guess. No, like, they actually take signs, and they've got notes and things like that, 
and it was really cool to hear Phil like explain it like perfectly too. I think he was right all but one or two times with a read. It just hurt that like the one he read wrong and he said he read wrong was like on the 17th hole when they were trying to get back into it. Even though, even though I don't think Tom Brady would have made the putt anyways because on the back nine they did like you played the best drive then the next guy had to play the second shot like that. So they were on the fairway most of the time. I mean, I think Peyton Manning and Tom Brady would have lived on the cart path or the pine trees or the palm trees or the sand or anywhere that isn't, you know, a nice cut fairway most of the time. So it would have been a long, boring product if we would have seen them whack out of trees for, you know, 15 of the 18 holes. would have been funny for the first two, but by, you know, the sixth or seventh hole, It'd be like time to turn this off. But Phil Mickelson's calves, too. Oh my God, they're enormous. Tiger's calves, not great. Peyton Manning's a big guy, too. Really big guy. I'd like to see Peyton on TV, too. I think he could excel at that. And, like, there's this stigma, I feel like, with athletes that think, like, some people are like, oh, that athlete's funny. He's a funny guy. I feel like Shaq's a legit funny guy. Like, he's actually funny. But then, I don't know, it's hard to explain. I guess I'm kind of reaching here, but... I feel like there's a point where, like, we find some athletes funny, but they're not really funny. They're athlete funny. Like, (laughs) he's funny, but he's kind of dumb. I think Peyton Manning's actually a little clever, a little witty. A little more than, you know, just being trash talk funny. And I feel like he could be an analyst somewhere if he hasn't done it a little bit already. But that's really about all I have from the match. I mean, I was pretty excited for it all week. And like I said a couple of times now, I did not think it was going to be a great watch. And I knew it wouldn't have been great competition, great golf play. I mean, these guys have been in quarantine for the last two months, too. I mean, realistically, how much are you going to be able to swing unless it's, like, into a net at, in your driveway? I mean, I think Tigers in Florida, they've been opened up. I'm not sure where Phil lives. I mean, maybe they might have been able to get out a little bit since Florida's been pretty loose with all the restrictions the last few weeks. But I figured as much, and it was fun to watch. And I, the pace of play was good. And... Uh, the banter was good. The mixing of style was good. You know, different mini challenges. That was all good. Charles Barkley was funny, too. Thought he was really funny. Brooks kept good chirping Tom Brady. Oh, if you don't, I will donate $100,000 if you manage to make a par on the back nine, on the front nine. Just a par. And then Brady hit that really good wet shot on the seventh hole for Birdie. So. Yeah, that's all I got for the match, though. So, rambled on a little bit at the end there, but like I said, not great competition, but it was a good product, and I was pretty pleased with it. Next. You know, honestly, it was probably a good thing that um, 
I didn't re- end up recording yesterday because today granted me a little more material to talk about. That being, sports are back on the horizon. Except it's not a major sport. Like, you know, NBA or NFL, everybody seems to like. NHL is a little bit more niche, but the good news is I love the NHL. It's probably probably my second favorite sport to watch behind football. I can't get enough of it, especially the Stanley Cup playoffs. And the NHL commissioner announced earlier this afternoon that there's a plan in place to get the guys playing again, skating again, in mid to late July up until mid-August, I believe. Somewhere like July 22nd through August 15th window, somewhere in there. They want to commence a different formatted playoffs. They'd have training camp start up mid to late June. Just given this COVID crap enough time to really go away. And they've got a detailed plan drawn out. And I kind of dig it. Not because my favorite team gets to make the playoffs as the worst team in the league that made the playoffs. But... I get to watch some hockey, so let's break that down a little bit. There's two conferences in um, in the NHL, right? Eastern and Western. It's pretty similar to the NBA conference-wise. There's 31 teams in the NHL. Vegas expanded in the 16-17 season. No, 17-18 season is their first season in the league. It was the 31st team. There's a new team coming to Seattle next year or the year after. I think, yeah, I think it might be next season. If not, year after. It's pretty quick, though. 31 teams and 24 teams made made the playoffs. That might seem a little high, but they want the games for revenue. And, you know, with, I think there was only... 10 or 15 more games to be played with you know before the lockdown started so I feel like the teams I read the list the teams that didn't make the playoffs were abysmal I mean a couple of bad teams got in but I mean you need the revenue too and you need to make it a way you need to I don't know. I feel like they could have just did the traditional format of one plays eight. But, I mean, adding eight extra teams kind of gives it a little wrinkle and it gives the teams a chance that didn't get to contend for the playoffs. They kind of got away in because the seven teams that were eliminated probably weren't going to make it anyways. But, you know, they did a five through 12 seed that has to play to earn their way in. Those teams are kind of on the fringe anyways. Not so much 5 and 6, but 7 and 8, they could have lost a spot out. Like the Blackhawks are the 12th seed in the Western Conference. They have to play Edmonton, the 5 seed, 5th round. What they're doing, I should have said that first. What they're doing is the prospective plan is to, of course, have two conferences. Each conference is going to play in a designated hub city. So I think Chicago is a potential one, Edmonton or St. Louis or cities where the virus hasn't been a huge, huge problem, but it's large enough to accommodate, you know, 
eight teams or 12 teams. Yeah, I think 12 because one through four is yeah, 12. Yeah, 12 teams to play in that city. Each conference is going to have one. And then you're going to meet up for the Stanley Cup final. That's what I'm assuming. Just keep all the travel restricted to one area. So that way no one's going back and forth all the time and spread germs around and doing all that. So that's a good plan they have. Might be weird logistically to have, you know, eight different teams waiting to use one professional rink. But that's kind of just the way it is. It's going to be a weird situation. But now I can get into a little better detail. One through four in the west and the east have a lock they're locked in no matter what I'm not going to read the list of teams because there's 24 teams to read I think every team made it except like Buffalo um, New Jersey Detroit, San Jose Los Angeles Kings and two more maybe Some those, and those like I said those teams were really 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 bad but I know Boston like won the President's Cup trophy. More uh, David Pasternak won the Richard Trophy, who co-winner. Um, yeah, and they had to like do all the awards and stuff. The like cancel that right then and there. And like hockey awards, they're typically given out based on your stats. There's not like with the Hart Trophy, it's the MVP trophy. There's some thought that goes into that, but a lot of times it's just most points, most goals, um, most. I mean, Vezina's to the goalie award. Some thought that goes into it, but that's not what's important. What's important is one through four in each respective conference has a different way of playing their first round. They're a lock. They're in the playoffs, but I saw. I thought this format was kind of cool. What they're doing, the, first, the best four teams in each conference are... Uh, they're playing a round-robin style play first for the first round. And sorry if I'm sniffling a lot too, by the way. My voice sounds a little nasally. My allergies are kicking my ass today. But one through four, round-robin. They're going to play, you know, three games each because think about it. No matter um, the worst that the teams underneath them can do would be three games clean sweep which is what's going to happen to my Blackhawks but three three game sweep the very least your top four teams they would have been in the playoffs barring a monumental collapse in a competitive conference or competitive division they would have made the playoffs and they should have a little bit of an advantage of being a little bit fresher because that's typically what would happen know your one and eight games typically don't always go seven games it's kind of how it works and it's like those teams didn't have the advantage of finishing out the entire season right and that kind of offweighs the fact that yeah some not so good teams and not so deserving teams got into the playoffs and, like, in the event that a 12 would knock off a 5, they're going to have to play a 1 in the next round. 
they should have a little bit of an advantage, the one seed, because they the 12 seed shouldn't really be there in the first place. So I kind of like that idea. But finish up, round robin, like 1-4-1-3-1-2. Every team plays each other once on each conference. They're in, so that's kind of just, you know, getting a game feel against a different team again. And then 5 through 12 does like a pool, like a bracket. 5, 12, 6, 11, 7, 10. Or, yeah. 5, 12, 6, 11, 7, 10, 8, 9. They play each other each conference. And then that's a best of five from what I saw. This is all perspective planning. So, of course, it could change a little bit. But the whole plan is to have. Four winners in each conference, and then they get reseeded based on how the round robin finished out. So, say the three seed wins the round robin in the Western Conference, they get all the three becomes a new one. It gets all they sorted it based on points. Like hockey does points: two points for a win, one zero points for a loss. Or excuse me, two points for a win, one point for a loss. No, Jake, you're a dumbass. Two points for a win, zero points for a loss, one point for an overtime loss. That's how they're sorted right now. On the top four, you're going to get rearranged based on who wins that round robin play. Five through 12, the losers eliminated, and then their seeds stay the same. And then they play a regular Stanley Cup final, or Stanley Cup playoff, except it's going to be Right now, five games, and then the cup would probably be seven. I like it. It makes the best of a shitty situation. And purists are going to be like, eh, why is Chicago in the playoffs? They won 20 games or 25 games, whatever it was. Well, don't worry. They're not going to be in there long. Like, they're not good. They're a top-heavy team. Their defensemen are old as shit. They can't skate. You have the best American player ever in Patrick Kane. He's 33. He still scores 100 points a season. Taves is still pretty good. You don't have a goalie anymore. Don't worry about it. If that team manages to beat Edmonton, who's got the best player in the world, like anywhere, got... Uh, another guy on your team who is probably going to win the Hart Trophy. You got defense. You've got a pretty good squad in Edmonton. If Chicago wins against Edmonton, they're probably not going to beat anyone else in the West. So, I mean, yeah, that that 9, 10, 11 seed probably shouldn't have been in, but I don't think they're going to go far anyways. And it's just a way to make up some of the lost games that you, you know, that got canceled because of lockdown. So I like this format. I really do. I'm curious to see how the um the logistics of it's going to be like with fans and stuff cuz right now I don't think they're going to allow fans in it whatsoever. But in a month or two months, it might be a different story. This is going to be going on through like August into September, like into preseason. So I'm curious to see, like, are they going to let in fans at like, you know, quarter capacity? Like if they play it in Chicago, they'd be playing all the games at the United Center. 
I feel like I feel like you'd have to use a professional grade rink. Professional rink? I'm not sure. I mean, you could use some of the high schools or like a community college or even a. I'm not sure what Chicago universities have a hockey program. Maybe you could play there if there's no fans. If there's no fans, it's not a big deal. But that's something to consider too. And I think the league needs to keep an open mind on that. If it's safe to allow fans in, I do it because I feel like with football and with hockey home field advantage is like it actually plays a part in the game so really excited to see hockey come back it looks like they're gonna go through with it and hopefully the Chicago Blackhawks can find a way to win their fourth Stanley Cup title in the last 10 years it's their last chance to do it in a decade four in a decade would be awesome they would need like asteroids, suns, moons, comets, stars, and everything in between, every space particle ever to realign and be in perfect harmony to win the cup. And I got a feeling they can do it. <sighs> nah, I'm just kidding. They're going to get swept in the first round. But glad to see that some sports or NHL hockey is making a concrete effort to come back. Baseball has been doing the same thing. Uh, NBA's not too far behind either. I think the NFL is probably far enough out to where they can do a regular season, regular schedule anyways. Maybe less fans, maybe a little less travel. I think they're okay. They might have to ditch the preseason stuff and camp might be affected. But I don't think the regular season is going to be affected unless this flares up again in the fall. So It's good to see. Gives me a little bit of hope. I'm a huge sports fan. Yesterday was Memorial Day. Now, I was trying to decide what kind of segment I wanted to do for, you know, Memorial Day. I was thinking about, like, just telling a cool story from a war or doing a list of my five favorite war movies. But I think, I think that I could do a little more good than that. And, you know, I could talk about something a little more serious. And instead of, you know, trying to make it a little more lighthearted, sometimes you need to be a little bit serious. And I feel like this would be an appropriate time to do so. Memorial Day, I feel like, is really appreciated in families of, like, military circles, right? Like, I come from a pretty strong military family I've had two uncles serve I've had like four or five great uncles serve um grandpa served a lot of people you know give up time and energy and sweat and tears and horrible things to you know go serve their country um I feel like everyone knows what it's about. Oh, we're we're remembering, you know, those who served and died overseas or at home. Doesn't matter wherever the United States does combat. And I feel like we forget about that a lot, just because like Memorial Day is usually the first weekend of the year where you can go get shit face drunk and 
you know, the weather's finally nice. It's kind of like the start of summer weather for good. I feel like we forget about, you know, what what it's really about. And that's not all our fault either. We live in a society now where combat and protecting our interests overseas is very, very criticized by media, both sides. Guys come home from doing their duty. I mean, they volunteer to serve and they do what they're told. They go carry out a mission that they're instructed to do. And they come home to animosity. This really started in Vietnam, too. Like guys would come home and they'd be shamed and, you know, screamed at in the street and met by protesters and things thrown at them. Shit like that. And it's like they were just doing what they were told to do. They volunteered in Vietnam. They were drafted. That was the end of conscription. But, like, they were just doing what they're told. And that it's still the same today. Like, do we need to send guys out to Afghanistan? They're still there. Iraq, up until, you know, four, three, four years ago. I think maybe 2015 we left. So, yeah, five years ago. Do we really need to get into a philosophical argument about what their purpose really was or why they were there? I don't think so. What's important is that they had the balls of the sack to, or breasts, I mean women serve too, but it's a figure of speech. They did something that most of us don't want to do. It's a sacrifice to do that. A huge sacrifice. And it's not about being all macho and, you know, being an infantryman and kicking in doors and sp- sprinting down the street, shooting a submachine gun. That's not what it's about. It's about the discipline that comes with it. The discipline and the commitment and the camaraderie with your brothers and sisters, essentially, because that's what you become as a big family. And that's how it is. It's about those things. Answering the call, not because, like, a fascist dictator was threatening to exterminate a race and take over the entire world, but because you signed up for it and your government asked, or indirectly asked you to, you answered the call. That's what we should remember, not why we're there. It doesn't matter if we are, quote-unquote, Fighting the spread of communism, like in the case of Korea and Vietnam or any other of those little conflicts that we got involved with over the years. doesn't matter if we're doing it for oil interests in Iraq or in Kuwait in 1990 or anything. War on terrorism in Afghanistan. Let's try to find the Taliban for 15 years in a mountainous country where all they know how to do is fight in the hills and they don't fight you directly same thing with Vietnam Viet Cong played their own game they played a guerrilla warfare game I we get so bogged up into the why to justify why we were there you know what I mean when it comes to the 
the politicians and the guys up top, the generals who are playing in these wars, yeah, you can be skeptical of them. Because most of the time, those politicians didn't serve their country. Ever since the end of World War II, I think JFK was probably the last, maybe Reagan Bush did too, but Kennedy had an exemplary war record. Guys up top don't serve anymore. They don't understand how to think like a soldier does. Yellow general. Don't hold those guys accountable. Don't don't hold the little guy accountable. The guy who just went out there and did his job because he was told to or he volunteered to because it's a difficult job. People don't want to do that. But someone's got to. So, if you haven't, just say thanks. Thank you for your service. If you have the luxury of doing that, you can't tell everyone thank you. And keep that in mind before you crack open another beer. Just remember what it's about. I'm not saying don't have fun because those guys did that so you could, you know, take advantage of that holiday or have a little too much fun or going to work Tuesday morning hungover. They did that for you and for other people so they had a chance to do the same thing. And that's probably the last point I'm going to make about this is like the biggest criticism is, oh, we're going to fight someone else's war. It's like, well, you know, yeah. Is the intention always good? No. But think of it this way. We might have our own interests there. But, but, you're defending, most of the time, you're defending someone who cannot do it themselves. And you're giving them a chance to live like we do. We have problems here. Everywhere has problems. And that's why I like people complaining about capitalism and, you know, all these social problems we have in healthcare. It's like, if you don't like it, go live somewhere else. Because if you get in trouble, guess who's going to come bail you out? The United States. We police the world. Whether we should or we shouldn't. Whether you agree or you disagree is irrelevant. You can disagree, but you're wrong. We police the world. If anything goes wrong, we're the first ones there to help and we're the last ones to leave. And it's because of people who have served and who have died on yesterday's holiday that we usually take for granted that that's possible. So if you can, just say thanks. Give me a follow on Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, at JakeSwinski8. Ooh, man. A little depressing there. Didn't mean to get so, so serious, but sometimes serious things need to be said, you know? So I will be recording... You will still get your next episode on Friday. Sorry once again about it being a little bit late, but some things are a little more important and blowing this off for 24 hours was the right decision. Don't take a sick day your second week of work, Jake. Got to make it happen. So Friday, we'll see. See what I'm going to talk about. Have a good week. Stay safe out there and that's it for me. Oh, rate, review, subscribe. Of course. Of rate, review, subscribe. Of course. Gotta do that. Follow, rate, review, subscribe. Please. <laughs>